We're at the very end of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to jump in here to this last part. And the last chapter feels like lots of odds and ends. It feels like the end, there's all this fantastic teaching, and then it just feels like odds and ends. Oh yeah, this guy's coming, and make sure you check on that one, and something's in their house, and I want you to do this other thing, and we're given to this thing. And it feels like odds and ends. But what we're going to see here is that little details can reveal what is most important. So even though there's a lot of little details here, we're going to actually see some really key heartbeats from the Apostle Paul on what's important, these little details. And so, uh, like just for example, again this week we're down praying with people, and we come across the guy I've actually never had anybody say this to me before. They said, well, we said, can we pray for you? He said, yeah, but I believe in Odin something. I was like, so I was like, oh, well, what does that mean? So he explained to me, well, it's Odin and Thor. And, and so I was like, well, what do you do? You know? And he was very, it was a very friendly conversation. It wasn't combative. And, uh, but what it, what it finally came down to is he said, we get together and it's a lot of oath-giving and keeping. A lot of oath-giving and keeping. And, and I think it was this idea that he's longing to be in community that matters. Because it's like, okay, I'm going to do this this month and, and have something that matters and people in his life that matters and hold him accountable. And uh, I think there was something almost like this drive to be a part of a greater community. So even though he's explaining, we got the campfire this, and he told me Viking is a verb, not a people group, and he's explaining all these details, I think there was something under these little details that was getting at his heart, right? I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be a part of a brotherhood that's into something. It was revealing his heart, and he was telling me the gods. At one point, I did tell him, well, Jesus is Lord over all the gods, and he didn't fight me on that, so that was at least positive, but... He's given these details, but underneath is his heart. I want to be a part of something. And Paul here is going to give us some details because he's going to get to the heart. And what we're going to see here in these details is the gospel compels us to live beyond ourselves. We're going to see this heart to be a part of a gospel movement beyond our individual lives and our local church's life, to be beyond that. And it's in these little final details of this letter. So we're going to look, we're going to do verses 1 through 11 today. And you're, it's going to feel like odds and ends and travels and something you might text your kids. But we're going to see what's most important in here. So it says, 1 Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. 
When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Doesn't it feel like odds and ends and travel plans and don't forget to this and make sure you pack your lunch and, right? Like, well, what could be, what's helpful in here? We're going to get to the heartbeat. The gospel compels us to live beyond ourselves. We're going to see that in three different ways today. But first, just making sure we see where this, this whole thing flowed, the gospel flowed out of what we just read. If you were here with us last week, we just read and we just celebrated the Lord's table, the death and resurrection from Je- of Jesus, his exaltation to the throne, and the invitation that if we enter into him, we live forever. I appreciated that so much, John. I hadn't thought as much about the communion part. I'm not going to eat this again till I eat it with you. That really caught me today. I don't know. I, you know, I usually think about the elements. What do they mean? But Jesus says, I'm waiting to take this meal with you in the kingdom of God. And, and, and that's the gospel. The good news is that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. He's going to return and bring resurrection to us, all who have faith in Jesus. We read that and it kind of ended last week. We saw that, that uh, he said, O death, this is in chapter 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the victory of Jesus over sin and death. And when we trust in him, we enter into that. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So he's just gone through this most powerful, especially chapter 15, explaining the gospel, explaining the good news of Jesus and how we enter in. And then he says, and this is what it does. These odds and ends tell us what it does. So the first one, he says, is that gospel generosity, that we have, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The gospel compels us to live beyond ourselves. So the first point is we have gospel generosity beyond ourselves. Did you see it in there? It was in verse... He's talking about this giving, right? Concerning the collection of the saints, right? Concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so also are you to do. So there's this collection taking place. What is, what is he collecting? What's, what's this about? Is this like church offering? No, this isn't just giving to make your church run. This is something special. And he talks about it at the end of the letter to the Romans, Let me get on that slide. It's a similar thing he tells that church. At the end of the letter of the Romans, he says this, Romans 15, 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be a service of them in material blessings. So there's, I don't know if there was something particularly terrible in Jerusalem, but they were suffering and struggling, and there was a lot of poor believers among them. So when Paul was traveling the world, planting churches, 
he would take up a collection to be brought back to Jerusalem to help the believers and the poor there. And he sort of had this idea that this was the home base of the gospel, and it's gone out from there, and all the Gentiles and believers around the world owe our salvation to the things happening there in Jerusalem. So he said, let's give back to them. So when we come to the end of 1 Corinthians, it's the same thing. He's saying, I want you to consider giving this, to this thing to take money back to those suffering in Jerusalem. So what's he talking about? Verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come. So here he's talking, it's not talking about a tithe. A tithe means a tenth. A tithe is something you give to your church, something you give to your home ministry. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a generous gift beyond yourself, beyond your church. He's talking about, I want you to give to this cause, this situation in Jerusalem. And the key was, as he may prosper. So you're going about, he's like, you're going to do business, you're going to trade, whatever you're going to do during the week. If the Lord blesses you with something, you could consider, I'm going to put a little bit of this aside because I want it to go with Paul. He's saying, I'm not going to get there and do a big campaign with PowerPoint and excitement and photos. He's like, no, I'm not doing any of that. If you want to get in on this, get in on this. But it was this idea that he may prosper, that God's going to, if he works, if he blesses you in some this week, say, I want to get in on giving to this other thing. I thought this was a great comment here by one of the commentaries I read. He says, what is significant here is the very matter-of-fact way the issue is taken up. On a weekly basis, they should set money aside as the Lord has prospered them. No pressure, no gimmicks, no emotion, a need had to be met, and the, Cor- the Corinthians were capable of playing a role in it. In a day of highly visible campaigns for money on every side, there is something to be said for the more consistent, purposeful approach outlined here. Perhaps it also says something about the generosity Paul expected of those who were disciples of the crucified one. I like that. It's not emotional. It's not flashy. It's just saying, hey, if you want to be a part of this, as the Lord blesses you, put some aside, and when I come, I'll take it. Send me whoever you want to take it so you know. I mean, they didn't like wire money, right? So they had to actually physically carry it. And so these are the kinds of things that we've been a part of like our Christmas one. We said, we want to help plant churches in India and Nepal. If you want to give to that, give to it. It's that kind of thing. You just set aside some extra money. We even put a link in our newsletter this week. If you want to give to churches in Ukraine, here's a way you could do that. And we put a link in there in our weekly newsletter that went out. And our, our uh, denomination of churches, Converge, has a way to give to Ukraine. That's, that's kind of what it's talking about. It's saying, hey, if you want to be a part of, a, of generosity beyond yourself, beyond your local church, if you want to jump into giving to the saints in Jerusalem, just set something aside, and when I come, I'll take it. Uh, in, in my own house, you know, we have regular patterns of giving. We give monthly. We give out of our, of our income. But we also have this little envelope we have up in a cupboard. And it's just, we just call it extra giving. And we just throw a little bit in there. Something comes in. A special gift comes in. We'll just put a little bit in there. Heather has a great month working. We'll put a little bit in there. And we just sit on it until something happens. 
Like, it could be something like, yeah, you know what, we should send some to Ukraine, or, hey, we want to be a part of this, or, or it could be an individual. They're like, hey, you heard so-and-so's lost their job, and they got no, they can't pay their light bill, whatever. It's just, it's just there for what the Lord might do. It's just, and that's kind of what he's talking about here. He's throw some money aside as the Lord prospers you. If the Lord's not prospering you, if you're in a season of down, then you're in a season of down. And if you're in a season when the Lord does something in your life, then you say, thank you, Lord, I'm going to just set this aside. You tell me where to put it. You stir in my heart. You, you tell me. And so that's what he's giving at. And it's just, I love this comment when we realize how much Jesus gave, how much he currently blesses us. We just want to be generous people beyond our current circumstance. The Lord might put something in your heart and say, yeah, I want to be in on that. I want to be in on that. We can't be in on everything, right? I mean, I, feel, I got an email every day of things I could give to. So you just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, if you, what, you get an unexpected income, Lord, is there somebody you want a part of this to go to? Boom. And so that's what he's writing them to, a, to them about, right? That we have gospel generosity beyond ourselves and beyond our church. We just say, I want to be in on that. The Lord's moving. I want to give to that. And we just, we're just ready for it. So that's the first one. The second one is that there are gospel partnerships beyond ourselves. And so here we're not looking so much financially. We're looking at humans, right? You see what Paul's saying, I'm going to come to you, verse 5. I'm going to come to you after I go through Macedonia. I'm going to come visit you, verse 6, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. And so that idea of help me has the idea of being a part of it. And it, it, it could mean I want to you know, give money, but it could also mean that you're just going to, maybe some are actually going to go. There's times Paul would go through an area and someone from the church would say, I'm going to do this leg of the journey with you. I'm just going to go with you on this. I want to see what you're doing. Uh, it's possible that they supplied him. Like, oh, you know what you need this? Oh, you're heading over there? Oh, it's winter? I have this extra coat for you. Take that with you. It could be that they just encouraged him like crazy. He comes there, you're going to help me on my way? Yes, I'm going to pray for you every day at 6.30 a.m. I have an alarm on my phone. Paul, right? Whatever it is, I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. And we see that. We see the same thing with uh, Timothy, right? A little bit later there, verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way. It's the same word that these guys are traveling around doing ministry and you can be in on it in some way. You could give them supplies, you could give them encouragement, you could give them prayer support. Uh, it just, you're going to be in on this. And Timothy's like, he, he's young. So he said, when Timothy shows up, you know, don't kick him around as some junior pastor, right? He's like, no, treat him good. That's the way people loved on Peter. Peter showed up, served our church. He's a young guy. We've loved on him. We prayed for him, we're sending him on his way. And so I just see here the idea of gospel partnerships. That we're part of what we're doing in this community, but there's a whole lot of other things we want to be a part of that are beyond this community. That is helping people, helping ministries function. And Paul's saying, you know, you have your work there in Corinth, but I want you to be a part of a wider movement. So I just put together a few things that we're doing right now to just say, we just want to be a part of what God's doing beyond this building. Right? We've talked about the Resonate Church baptisms. 
If you still haven't seen that Sunday, you, you just need to do it. Look for the YouTube one that's like a two-hour window instead of a one-hour. And they'll think, oh, two hours. The testimonies are fantastic. This church in Bellingham resonated specifically planted on Western's campus, reaching college students. And they said, we want to do a baptism service. We got no water. And you have to go back and watch the story. But we're like, well, we got water. Bring your kids. It was amazing. And then we had two ladies uh, here, Katie and Michelle, get baptized from here. It was amazing. So it's just, hey, we want to be a part. Share. There's a church that's coming every other Monday. You might wander through here and go, hey, there's some people in the kitchen. Are they supposed to be in here? There's a church that's planted that's doing a meal at Alderwood Elementary School, but they can't use the school kitchen. And their church doesn't have a kitchen. They said, can we come cook our food in your kitchen Monday afternoon, and we're going to take it over to Alderwood Elementary, and we'll serve this meal with our service. We're like, yes. And the cool thing was, you know, if you're going to do things with public food service, the health department has rules about your kitchen and how many sinks and where the hand washer. They have all these rules. But the ministry that was doing the Saturday morning breakfast already approved our kitchen with the health department. So all they had to say is, oh, yeah, we use that kitchen for this other thing. Can we use it for this church over here? And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. That kitchen's good to go. So anyways, the tables meeting here. Love Inc. does board meetings here. We've been a part of hosting the community store, toy store here. The most excellent way ministries, dependent support, amazing ministry. Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, they're helping people walk out of any kind of life-controlling issue or substance through the power of Christ. So if you don't know Lauren and Teresa, you've got to get to know them. But they're doing ministry here. There's another one. This is right now. If you say, I want to be in on ministry beyond my church, beyond now. I just got this from one of the people we support. We support Cameron and Kristen Harris. Through, they're through Campus uh, Christian Fellowship that reaches out to college students at Western. They've been here before. Some of you might recognize their picture. Kristen served at Wacom for a number of years, then married Cameron, and together they serve at Western. But they are, they've, they didn't do it, I think, last year. But every spring, college students from across the country come to Bellingham for discipleship training. They call it Sikkim, which is kind of a weird name, but it means Student Institute of Campus Ministry. So the abbreviation is Sikkim. And so from May 14th to 21, June 11 to 18, uh, college students from across the country gather in Bellingham and they get trained, how do I make disciples on my college campus all over the country? If you want to be involved in that and say, I want to be a partner, they need host homes. So on the side tables, there's a postcard that looks just like this picture. On the side tables and the lobby tables, a little card, again with a QR code or a website. You say, yeah, I could host kids for a week. All the details are on there. Uh, I think you feed them breakfast, feed them dinner. They drive them around. You don't have to drive them around. Um, so anyways, so it's a commitment, but you say, I want to have be a part of what Jesus is doing in my community. I'm going to have these two college students sleep in our den. I'm going to feed them Cheerios. I'm going to pray for them and know they're going back to Texas, whatever, and they're going to make disciples. You see that? I want to be a part of what God's doing beyond myself. So that's gospel partnerships. That it might not be what we're doing, but we're going, God is reaching our community. God is on the move. Paul says, I want to come be helped by you. You can send me. Timothy's going to come over here. Who knows what other is going to happen? We want to be in on it. All right, one more. Gospel conflict beyond ourselves. You know, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. We're getting gospel fights? Well, maybe. Verse 8. 
He says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. That's really weird, isn't it? A wide door. It means, it's where we get our word mega. Huge door is opened. Huge door, effective is our word for energy. Like something's happening, has opened to me, and then there are lots of adversaries. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't a wide door mean there aren't adversaries? Don't adversaries mean there's a closed door? Paul says, no. Actually, it means God's moving. This is the account from Acts when Paul goes to Ephesus, Acts 19. It tells us, it says, And he entered the synagogue, for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So it goes good for three months. They're like, all right, he's telling us about Jesus. Then some are like, we've had enough. I'm really thankful that you don't do that in the middle of my sermon. Right? We've had enough. We're not, and they start fighting him and arguing with him. And so he's like, all right, I'm, I won't go here anymore. He moves to this hall. I don't know what that is. You can rent the place out. And so he's there every day talking with people. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Whoa. Whoa. So he goes to the synagogue. It's going good for a few months, and people are like, we've had enough, and they start fighting him. You think, oh, no, the Lord has closed the door. It's all bad. Paul's like, no way. I'm going to go next door or wherever the thing was. And by doing that, more people came, and so many people came, and they took the word that he could say a whole region has heard the gospel. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine if we say everybody in Whatcom County has heard the gospel? doesn't mean they've responded. They've heard it. We can't say that today. We still encounter people that are like, I've never heard of any of this. I don't know the name of Jesus. I've never looked in a Bible. But, but Paul, he's saying this. It's just amazing to me. I go to Ephesus. People start fighting and hating me, which is usually my cue to like, all right, out the back door. This isn't going very well. And Paul's saying, no, no, it's a wide open door, and there's a lot of people after me. And for some reason with the gospel, they go together. When the door opens for the gospel, the enemies heat up, and usually we think, well, that means God stopped answering our prayers. And Paul's saying, no, that means God's at work. There's a wide open door, and there's going to be people mad about it all at once. Jesus says this in John 15, if the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. It isn't us. It's him. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Jesus says it right there. Some people are going to persecute, just like me. Some people are going to believe, just like me. And so that is this reality that when the gospel goes out, there's conflict and tension. And Jesus says, that's what they did to me. It's going to continue to be that way. The Holy Spirit is the one convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't do it. 
So we go out and there's conflict. There's some people that want to hear. There's some people that don't. There's some people that have questions. There's some people that are mad or worse. And he's saying that is just part of it. And so I think that's a challenge for us. You know, and I think when the Resonate Church was here, it just couldn't have spoke more loudly because it's just so easy to think, well, like Western's the place where they're like inventing bad things against God. And they're like, yeah, and Western's a place where we just watched 11 college students meet Jesus and say, I'm following Jesus. Like, there it is, right? There's great hostility and there's a wide open door. And so we live in a time of great hostility, so there's a wide open door. So it doesn't mean (laughs) go be hostile, right? Jesus didn't say, well, go be a big jerk and as hostile as you can because that's ministry. No, it's not what he said. He says, they hate me, not you. So we go be Jesus people, and we bring the gospel. That will bring conflict, and it will also bring conversion. And we just just live with those. It's beyond ourselves. I don't like it. I don't like it. I want everyone to like it and be happy, and it's a good conversation, and not mad and angry, and don't talk to me again. But if we're going to be part of gospel ministry, there's going to be conflict. It's beyond our comfort zone. We don't want to go there. But Paul's saying it's wide open door. It's a wide open door, and there's many adversaries, and that's just how it is. So here we go. The gospel compels us to live beyond ourselves. I just leave it out there. We're, we're running out of time. If you want to be a part of life beyond yourself, say, Lord, is there somewhere you want me to get involved with with generosity? I don't care if it's 50 cents, right? You kids, some of you are like, yeah, I got a $3 allowance. I want to put 50 cents in a jar for the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Right? I want to get in on what you're doing. I want to live beyond myself. Some of you might be, I want to get involved with some people. Right? Paul says, you're going to help me. Take care of Timothy. Maybe there's some people you need to take care of. Maybe there's a ministry you say, I got no money, but I got time and I got love. Beautiful. Get in on it. Get in on it. What do you want me to do beyond myself? And some of us have to just live in the reality. If we're going to live for Jesus... There's going to be conflict. It's a package deal. But as we experience the conflict, I think we're going to experience the fruit. And so it's living beyond ourselves. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Even in these odds and ends, we see your heart for the gospel to go around the world, for more and more people to be impacted, and for us to be in on it, to share in the joy of contributing to what you're doing somewhere else to share in the joy of walking beside other people serving you, and to even experience the conflict that you experienced on our behalf. Or let us live beyond ourselves. Let us serve you beyond ourselves. Let us be a part of what you're doing. And we just thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.